0: welcome to the very first episode of game changers voices of the games industry the podcast where we shine the spotlight on the makers and movers of the games industry especially those who have recently been affected by layoffs or go through a career transition of sorts so in order to kick this off i think there's no better person to do this than uh, than toby who i worked with for for quite a long time so um to kick things off, uh, Toby, can you maybe introduce yourselves briefly and tell us a bit about uh, you know your recent projects that you have been part of?
1: Yes, sure, Lars. Uh, thank you for having me. And yes, uh, they are troublesome times uh, these days. But yeah, my name is Tobias Severin. I'm studio development director at fishlips um, I'm in the industry for over twenty-five years, uh, quite some some time. Um, in the last ten years, I was involved in quite quite a few different kind of projects. Um, I joined Fish Labs for making Dead Island Survivors, a mobile game based on the Dead Island IP. Um, most recently, 2000, late 2021, I was uh, a part of the Chorus team. So we shipped Chorus, a space combat shooter for PC and consoles. Um, but also the team at Fish Labs was... Uh, helping other studios to bring their games to other platforms um, for example Valheim we uh, brought Valheim to the Xbox console then we had Goat Simulator 3 for PlayStation 5 and Xbox so yeah quite some different kind of ips different kinds of genres project of different kinds of sizes and uh, as studio development director i'm it, it's very close to being an executive producer so a strong foot on project management producing working with other directors so yeah that's that's what i'm i'm currently doing yeah i think
0: knowing you you've always been involved in pretty much all the aspects of of game development i guess that's that's who you are so uh you know it comes with a role i assume
1: (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely
0: so um we want to make these uh these episodes also somewhat fun even though it's you know not an easy time for many you know we want to uh, look at, at things in a bit of a unique way so I, I prepared a couple of questions that I wanted to, you know, lead you through, and uh, I'm curious about your answers. So uh, the first one would be, um, if you could have a one-hour conversation with any ca- character from a video game of your choice, uh, or a video game that you've worked on or admired, who would that character be,
1: and what would you ask the character? Wow, that's a tough one. Um, to be honest, like, I'm, I'm not that obsessed with video game characters. Um I'm I'm more the systemic emergent gameplay guy so finding a character that like would have a conversation with maybe 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 snake from okay. metal gear That's solid That's a good one yeah. um why uh I think if I, it was like PlayStation 1 and that was uh, like the first Metal Gear Solid and I still yeah. remember that playing it uh I had a home, uh, uh, um, a shared flat uh, with uh, Thorsten Feldman. Uh, you might uh, know him. Oh, yeah, I, I, I know Thorsten. And as well. uh, we played that game like really like all night long and, and stuff like that. And I'm not sure was it because I was so young? Maybe it was due to my limited knowledge of the English language. I don't think that I got the story right. And if I would meet, Snagger would ask, like, what is all the story is it about? Will it ever make sense in one of the installments <laughs> of the franchise? What, so if the, hell, I, what the hell I, did
0: you do in your games? <laughs> you
1: <know? laughs> so uh, because like I was, I was, I, I think like we nearly finished the game, but I, I was a little bit like with a question mark above my head. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm a little bit confused. And I think like when I'm following the franchise, there's like even between the installments, so many, you know, un unsolved mysteries that uh maybe i i, I ask snake or kojima or uh, most likely it's his thing right to make it a little bit yeah. confusing and not resolving the mysteries but yeah that that uh, maybe that would be an interesting conversation I'm
0: pretty yeah, sure. i think trying to get uh, something out of kojima uh, that <laughs> is clear is probably a challenge in itself
1: that would be the end boss for sure the end fight getting something out
0: of him yeah that definitely a good one so um you know from from video game character to your own personal career i mean of course you're also a character in the in the game of making games uh so i was wondering if you could share like um one of those eureka moments in your career that kind of those pivotal crucible moments always uh, almost uh, that kind of reshaped your way that you approach your work in the games industry is there is there any such thing
1: i think what what i like doing games is that there are so many moments that change the way you you think like this is the way it goes and then Five years later it's completely different right i think like there are a couple of a lot of moments where it's like oh i need to recalibrate i need to rethink um but maybe one thing that had the most influence on my way of developing games oh when was it maybe 15 years ago or something and maybe i need to explain like where i was coming from like um, early days sure. of game development like Um, My first company was um, called Forehead, and uh, we started creating a very complex, uh, typical German trading simulation, a lot of complex uh, uh, systems that need to work together. Uh, Beside that, we need to develop our own 3D technology, 2D technology, audio technology, and actually it took ages that it make fun. It's like, like one and a half year and we haven't played the game once, right so and that that was how I, I i grew up so to speak in the, in the in the games industry, so it was always very slow uh, Someone started to write documents like game like two hundred pages of a game design document, and it took like two or three years to actually prove out these kind of ideas mm-hmm. um and then um, I started my second studio uh, called Ticking Bomb, and that was in the free to play Brother Game online game as a service area. Um, and uh, at that time, there was a company, a, a, a Danish company called Unity, and they had like a, an engine that was on Mac only. The Windows client really sucked, it was super unstable. So we had to experiment on a Mac to create you know, that
0: Mac only and games. Mac, oh, exactly, it speaks exactly. right to my heart for this. For those of you who know, I mean
1: that's <laughs> not not bad, right? But it it was like so. It was so. It was not very mature, but uh, the idea of um, uh, giving away three um, uh, D technology for a cheap price, like it was back in the days, so it was like per seat or something. But we were basically able with was like a, a team of five people or something doing a prototype within like three months. It was a squad-based multiplayer game, 3D running in a browser. It's like, wow. And I think that changed my way, how I approached game development. Testing out ideas as fast as possible. Um, uh, if it does not work, throw it away. Um, and, and this is like completely different to what I experienced a decade before. and. Uh, I mean, we we take it as granted nowadays, right? Everybody, if you if you're watching it, it's like rapid prototyping, time to market, but it was not that right back right. then, and that was for me a completely a game changer uh, in game development. And back in the days, that was also like where like Scrum started, agile development started to be a thing, and then all of a sudden, it makes sense. This iterate fast together with with technology. Um, and and that uh, since then I, I never uh, created games the old way. Nobody's doing that anymore, right? But it was a uh, really, really uh, it changed my mind. Uh, I approached game development for sure.
0: At least everybody nowadays is talking about rapid prototyping and you know and those those cycles. I sometimes wonder if they actually do it because I still sense this emotional attachment to the projects you've worked on. So sometimes, you know, once you get to a point where you start believing in it, then letting it go, you know, is difficult, uh, I think.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, There's always room for rapid prototyping. And I think like if you have like a longer development cycle of like three years or something, of course, you start very agile, you know, going up and down. and right and left but then heading more towards like the full production of course it's getting more rigid um but that's the way how how, how it is and how uh, prototyping is is, is uh, it has its place in a development cycle and you're right but uh, it's sometimes very hard to get kill your darlings and
0: Absolutely this it's is a great like exercise a, that I, that I love ab, to do absolutely. with uh, some teams this, you know kill your darlings to, to to get people trained to that because in the end but this is you less know, a thing on, gets a better on result, you this
1: know. is more like a mindset right it's less like a technology thing or like sure. a, how you arrange your sprints or something this is like how how you teach people um how they see things and uh, the willingness of of let things go because they don't work right
0: yeah, and especially in games, I think it happens a lot that, uh, you know, sometimes you have a hard time letting things go. Um, it's a typical thing, I mean, we've, we've seen it together, and you've probably seen it before, and I've seen it before, is like, we invested so much into it already. I mean, now we can't stop doing this, you know, and sometimes, whew, that's the worst decision you can make, especially because of the price you pay Absolutely. not being able to work on something new. You know? Absolutely. So, so, I mean, since we talk about making games now, so I was wondering, is there any game that you would love to have worked on in the past so if you go back in time and have the chance to you know look at a game from the past which one would it be that you said like i would have loved to work on this and why
1: that's a that's a good question i mean there are so many good games out there um and most likely i need to go back like really back in time don't tell Um, anybody
0: how old you are So, so,
1: (laughs) so r t s and shooter are my favorite genres, so most likely I need to pick uh, one of these and then what are the most, uh, most like so either it's age of empires oh yeah or and this is like maybe an outlier uh, now it's, I'm curious it's uh, <laughs> wolfenstein enemy territory do you know do you know oh, that oh well, yeah
0: I, I know it I haven't really played it much, but uh but well,
1: it's um and most likely I would pick. Um, Wolfenstein Enemy Territory Um, because it was back in the days when we created um, um, Gilde and we we used to play like in the evening like Mm. this typical LAN online thing and it was um, a lot of the times we played um, Wolfenstein Enemy Territory and uh, what I found interesting in there is they really came up with a unique blend of good solid gun gameplay, shooter mechanics, and spin like blended with tactical options and like class design. And I think like, this is something that I haven't seen in in modern franchises. And it's still very, they're still king. I I would be part of that. It was Splash Damage. They came from community modding and they were a pretty small team. So what they have achieved with a small team. Being a, a kind of a genre-defining game, um, which is still played today, um, I actually stumbled over it on LinkedIn. It's like twenty years later, they still play it. I, I it's like like a genre-defining thing of a game that I like and love, or a genre that I love with a small good team. Yeah, I think that would be something that's still is missing on my bucket list. I would say. Have you played it yeah. lately? um no i was
0: just wondering if it if it uh aged well like 20 years i mean some exactly games after 20 not. years I'm, they, I'm they look amazing, but... you
1: know i'm pretty sure i'm still glorifying the, the graphics and stuff like that um but um yeah but it's uh it was uh I, I i missed it and how defining that was like um also like the the mechanics was like moving front lines uh, Battlefield adopted that with Bad uh, company, right. so that that's really really good. And uh, um, but I'm pretty sure it doesn't age very well in terms of graphics and stuff.
0: You you also mentioned uh, Age of Empires before. Is there anything in particular that you remember fondly of Age of Empires uh, that that would be your why of wanting to work on that game? Yeah,
1: I, I think it was for me a very impressive that I could think so many hours into it. And it <laughs> oh yeah, me too. Fresh. By the way. <laughs> I, I, it's like it's like also in multiplayer, but also like in single player. And uh, the remake was recently released, right, a, a year ago or something. I played the whole campaign again, and I was not yeah. bored, right? Um, so I, I I think like that emergent gameplay, um, nice historical facts, and uh, yeah, it, it was uh, again King of the Hill, genre defining, best in class for 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 decades. So. Um yeah, certainly two, what two exactly great was cool about that I it's I don't know i like everything was cool about that uh I even had the the honor to um to work with a a former programmer from them he was a technical director for like 2 years or something at Fishland so I was sort of like oh <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, for me, I had a similar moment. Uh, you know, when I I played the first Ultima games. Uh, you know, when I pretty much started my I don't want to say gaming career, but my gaming yeah. life. I think Ultima four or five came out when when I you know started playing games more. And uh, so I always wanted to meet Lord British. You know, and I had the chance uh, to do so and work uh, with him true. a couple of years ago. Uh, so for me, I'm Richard's now friend, and it was uh, it was nice to to have that connection. You know, those are the cool memories. Then hiring yeah, somebody from a team uh, that made a game that you uh, that you found inspirational. Yeah, I guess yeah. some special. Yep. So I'm wondering uh if we if we move on a little bit from that and look into you know challenges that we have in the industry right now or that we have in game development in general. So I was wondering what is one challenge or a set of challenges in the in the industry or in making games that you are particularly passionate about and how would you go about solving those?
1: Oh, there are a lot of challenges these days, right? Um, uh, I know you gotta you gotta pick your poison. Uh, yeah. poison. <laughs> it's something that I'm it's a challenge that I'm always thinking of, and I, but I don't have like I, I will not solve it, and I don't have a uh, solution yet. But it's something that I'm. Um, it's like over and over again. I'm I'm really concerned about the amount of games and how you can actually continue making money. Uh, Out of developing games. That sounds a little bit awkward, but I think, like, over the the last 15 years or 20 years, it it has become easier and easier to develop develop games. But it has become harder and harder to sell games and make money out of it. At least that's how I see it. And the example, what I said, like, hey, this is a game changer, and I absolutely love it, like, with Unity democratizing the game development process, so to speak, has uh, two sides of a, of the same sword i would say and i over the last couple of years decade i i found it for me as a game developer as a game professional harder and harder to actually be successful in a in a in a very crowded market so yeah. uh, discoverability um reaching the customer i think it's a huge a uh, uh, problem and we are now not only competing against other studios. We are competing against indies. We are competing against one development armies. We are competing um, um, against people doing games on Roblox, doing games on Fortnite, and I, I, I don't I, I don't know where this is heading. Um, but I, I, I start getting concerned. Um, and how many games are released on Steam each year? It's okay. 4,000, 6,000? Do you have a number?
0: I don't have a number. I know it's it from crazy the space. I remember like, because I found that number impressive. I think and it was in 2018 or so, so already a couple of years ago, there was 750 games released a day. And and that was, I mean, of course, not all of those games with a super high production value, but just the sheer amount of games and everything is listed on the stores, and the same goes for Steam. Obviously, it's not the same number of games being released there, but uh, you know, I fully agree with you. Discoverability is a a major issue, Um, and it's
1: also not only only for the developer, but also for the customers, right? And um, there's also like a danger of like losing the trust of customers um, because what we currently have seen with it one game i don't remember the name this they promised like an open world zombie game multi like everything right collected two hundred thousand pre pre-sales and then completely tanked with a because they could not deliver on the promise right and if this trend continues and you have like not only one game that uh uh, um does not uh, deliver the people will get like, you know, um will get it's not great for the customer. And there will be a mistrust in, in 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 the platform so to speak. Um and I, I don't know where this is going but this is something where I'm I start getting a little bit concerned um how to solve that as a as a studio. Um because obviously I think like creating a great game is not enough anymore. Right, there are answers to that right early access community driven development um and, but also like the the next trend is coming right a i people can even start creating the content by themselves, and True. it's like, oh my fucking God, I don't know where this is going, and there's nobody it's like i don't think i don't i i'm I'm not saying that regulation is the the key, yeah. But um, at at least I think what we have seen on on, on, on the consoles where Sony and Microsoft, they are doing a, a decent job in having like regulations, not letting everything through, right? Um, and I think like a certain, there might be a, a way how to, and also if they are banning like uh, clearly AI created content, um, stuff like that. So yeah, uh, I would not say all, all my, my face is in the, uh, the destiny is in platform holders uh, with regulations, but uh, yeah, I'm I, I I something needs to happen there, um, and uh, of course we can also hope that the market uh, regulates uh, itself, right? But um, it's definitely a challenge that also the customer don't see games as something that you're paying for, um, and this is these are different kind of trends with subscription. 99 cent uh, uh, mobile games Um, free-to-play is different kind of a beast but all of these kind of things and uh, um, that's combined with like uh, a flood of games of different kind of criteria like or 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 different kind of quality Um, i think like it's, it's it's challenging for the industry
0: yeah, it's, it's certainly a very interesting time and challenging time in our industry right now. A lot of people talking about how long, like the, the current ups and downs are more like. The downs will continue before you know we see light at the end of the tunnel. Personally, I keep believing in it. Uh, I keep uh, believing in the power of games, uh, and we will get through this. It's just a question of when exactly. And maybe you know, I don't know, a couple hundred episodes down the road of this, this podcast, you know, we will have a in general a more uh, positive outlook uh, to the future. So we'll see. And actually, I I didn't uh, prepare a question around AI, but somehow I knew it was going to come up in this conversation. So yeah, thanks for bringing. I, 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 it up. You
1: know, I'm quite we're not, interested uh,
0: in. I'm not going to dive deeper into it now, but uh, it's definitely going to, I think, be a theme uh, in the uh, next couple of months and years going forward, because there's pretty much no game development project without uh, having this question at yeah, least, absolutely. like, how do we want to use AI and uh, what's it good for and and where does it um, not help um, that much or even you know damage. So. As we kind of wrap this up, I mean, this is in the end, uh, you know, a bit of a, to get an overview of who you are as, as a person. So I'm curious, like, what your dream is, uh, what your project, your, your favorite project to, to work on would be in the future here in the games industry? And how how do you envision making it a reality? So uh, what's your, your purpose going forward? Dreams. You know,
1: I'm... I'm... Close to fifty years old now. Now you I'm said you're I was trying Never to protect your dreaming, weird... right. Never stop dreaming. <laughs> no, yeah, you can I, still I dream to like...
0: seventy or eighty or however old you are. You yeah,
1: absolutely, I think like this is the thing why I'm I'm still passionate about creating games. You're always chasing your dream somehow, right? So yeah, it's it's, it's a valid question for sure. Um, so I'm I don't think that I'm like chasing a role or or a specific project. Um, I mean. Um, I, I, I I had a couple of different kind of roles, like programmer, lead programmer, producer, managing director, what's or not. So for me, it's important like whom I'm working with. So this is important, and that I'm very close to the project itself. So I'm a I'm a product guy, right? I want to create games, so this is important. And then then I'm I, I think like I would. More chasing for like a dream scenario, um, and I think like a dream scenario would be to collect all the people, bring back together the band of brothers, like <laughs> like the best people I ever met during my career, right? Uh, some of them became friends, right? And then wait for that perfect storm, so to speak, like an opportunity in the market. It might be AI, it might be the next big thing, or something like a great opportunity, and then have everyone available at the same time, and then find like a, a a small to medium-sized dream team, so to speak, with people who know each other to a certain degree, people that I would love to work with, um, people who are as passionate about video game development than I am, and then basically do something together uh, with a lot of self-control, I would say, like maybe self-published, something like that, yeah, bring back. Together, the dream team of developers, and then have fun creating a game. And then, you know, and then I'm pretty sure that you have good chances that it will be a successful title.
0: I agree. You know, having a dream team together and actually having fun while making games is oftentimes underestimated, I feel, because this is ultimately what leads to a great product in the end. So, uh, you know, I I couldn't agree more with that. And uh, so, Toby, I I wish you nothing but the best um, for the next adventure that awaits you. Uh, I'm pretty sure, knowing you, that, uh, you know, you will rock it, uh, have very high (laughs) confidence. And uh, I hope you enjoyed uh, this little conversation. I hope all the listeners uh, of the episode enjoyed like a bit of an insight into Toby's soul, if you will. Um, and I want to thank you again for being a part of this. Uh, we will have more of those episodes uh, going to come up uh, in the uh, near future. And uh, we try to you know, shine the spotlight on, on more people uh, that are currently uh, in a situation where they navigate uh, career transitions. Thanks again, Toby. It was a pleasure to have you here.
1: Thank you very much. Really enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you. Bye bye. All right.
0: Thank you. Take care, everyone.